Welcome to the Plexus High School Leadership Podcast Series. We are excited to have Robbie Davis, Principal, Metro Christian School in Tulsa, Oklahoma, as our guest. Okay. Well, welcome uh, to the Plexus Christian High School Leadership Podcast. And we have with us Robbie Davis, Principal of Metro Christian Academy in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, we're glad you're here today, Robbie. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you. Happy to, happy to be here this morning. Excellent. How are things in Tulsa these days? Things are going okay. You know, we, uh, we, I don't know what time, you know, I know everybody's school year ends at a different time of year. We, we wrapped up about three weeks ago. Today was our, three weeks ago today was our last day for, for mm-hmm. teachers to be here. So it's kind of that time of year when the building's a, a little bit quieter. We still have some summer camp programs and stuff we do here, but uh, it's, you know, for those of us that are administrators, it's a, a time where we can breathe a little bit, which is nice. So. That is true. Before the parents start calling again and teachers start. <laughs> yeah, what's my schedule for next year and all, all those types of things. So, That's right. How was, how was the graduated class this year? They headed off to great things. Yeah, we had a, we had a good group. So this was, um, you know, a, a little bit smaller senior class than we typically have. So uh, we we graduated 65 seniors this year, uh, okay. but we had we had 95 freshmen. So our, our typical classes are more around you know 80 to 90 area, and so um, so yeah. But it was a a really good group of kids. One of those groups that you're you know you you, you invest in, and you know you're excited for what's next, but you're also sad to see them them leave. That's true. They all grow up and leave us, don't they? Especially yes, when you yes. work in education. Exactly. Exactly. Hopefully they come back to be teachers or administrators or. Yeah, we, we've, we actually have hired, I think two or three alumni that will be, you know, coming on, on board to teach with oh, us wow. next year. So that's always, we have a few others in the building. So there's, you know, I, I've been here at Metro for 16 years. And so there's okay. some students that I had uh, in the classroom that have now come back to be teachers. And that that's always neat to see that happen. That is neat. So you mentioned 16 years. So there's some mm-hmm. history there. Yes. Um, tell us a little bit about how you got started and how you ended up at Metro. Like how sure. Metro so my, my undergrad degree, I went to John Brown University over in Salem Springs, Arkansas. Uh, and okay. my degree was in biblical and theological studies. And uh, I thought I was going to go down the pastoral ministry route, um, but wasn't quite ready to go to seminary right after undergrad. And so uh, I actually had a connection where I got a phone call about, hey, do you want to come teach Bible at, at Metro? I grew up in the Tulsa area. I, okay. I didn't attend school here, but I, I, I knew some students that did. And so I knew a little bit about Metro and uh, I was not an education major, hadn't taken a, a single education course, but thought, hey, I can come do this for a, a couple years. And so, um, you know, two years as the original plan has now turned into to wrapping up, you know, 16 years here now. So I taught for the first 12 years I was here. And then the last four years I've served as a as an administrator. Okay. Now the person you mentioned who called you, are they still an influence in your life? Or are they just a friend you knew? Are they a mentor? Uh, there were a connection I had from church. He was actually the, uh, he was a, a principal here at the time. So he's oh, okay. not, not here at Metro anymore. Uh, you know, I, I bump into him from, from time to time, but he was definitely, yeah, one that I, you know, reflect on that, you know, had it not been for him and his initiative, I wouldn't have ended up here. And, you know, I, I've certainly been blessed by being here. So thankful that that connection was made. 
Yeah, I, I, definitely. Those people in our lives who give us those opportunities are very important at key times when you don't even know where your passion is going to take you that way. For sure. Where it's going to end up. Do you, in the midst of that, do you have current people you look to or authors or people outside of, you know, your organization who you turn to for assistance and guidance? Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, our, um, our elementary school principal here, he's actually been, he's been the elementary principal here since 1994. So he's been at here for a, a long time, dedicated professional to our school. So, you know, I learned a lot from him, learned a lot from our, our head of school, who's, um, you know, been a, a good influence. I think that, um, you know, probably, you know, those that are in this industry know that the last couple of years, we've all just been trying to keep our head above water with, you know, all the challenges that pandemic brought. And so uh, I, I think that there's kind of this feeling now, okay, like we can, you know, bring our head above water, breathe a little bit. And uh, I've probably done more reading here in the past few weeks than I've, you know, done, you know, in the past six months, just because of, you know, the, the, the busyness and craziness. So, so looking forward to that, but, you know, there's definitely yeah, I think people on the way that have, have played the, the role. I think that's how education goes. You, yeah. you find people that, that pour into us and we're obviously hopefully always finding people that we're pouring into, whether it's, you know, students or, or, or teachers that are learning and growing as well. True, true. Now is Metro steeped in the history of the organization? Like how long have you been around? What is your... Yeah. So this, this coming year, we'll be celebrating 40 years of excellence is, is what wow. we're calling it. So, um, yeah, so we, we started, I think it would have been uh, fall of 1983. And um, it was a, a new school at that point. There have been some folks that were part of a, a, another church school in town that um, kind of helped launch it. And, you know, we're, we're not associated with a specific church or specific denomination. And so we kind of um, bring in uh, a, a lot of folks. I think we've got over a hundred different churches represented in our, 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 in our community amongst, you know, teachers and, and students and staff. And so, um, but I think we definitely come to, to, to have a, a strong reputation within the city. That's great. So you're like multi-denominational as far as. Right, right. And we, in. yeah, and we're, we're, we're one campus this next year. We'll have uh, so we start with a three-year-old program and go all the way through, you know, the high school will have uh, a little over 1,100 students in our building next year. So it's, I find it to be a good size, you know, it's, you know, at least at the high school level, it's, you know, it, it's small enough where you can kind of get to know each other well, like students and families build that community, but we're, you know, a big enough size will be about 350 in the high school next year that we're able to still offer our students a lot of Long, a lot of strong programs, you know, in athletics, academics, fine arts, all of the above. That's true. And having that, you said, what, 95 freshmen coming in, that's got to yeah, well, encourage we'll have, you that way. Yeah, I mean, we'll have, yeah, that was the number of freshmen this year. We'll have in our freshman and sophomore class, both will be about 95, 96 next year. So, okay. Mm. Um, but who's counting, right? Yeah, so, well, that's my joke. That's my that's part, joke. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's been interesting, uh, probably as other Christian schools have experienced the in some way, the pandemic was a, a blessing for us in terms of enrollment. I think there was just, you know, whether, you know, schools that were not open, we, we did open in person last year, we had some different, you know, protocols in place to help keep us open. Um, but I think that the fact that we that we were able to do that when some of the public schools in the area were not and um, I think that there just, yeah, was continued interest in, you know, private education from folks that maybe were thinking about it that, 
you know, pre-pandemic maybe weren't or thinking, hey, you know, we'll, we'll do this when we're in middle and high school, but we've seen a, a surge there for sure. Oh, that's that's great. And I'm sure you have athletics teams and the clubs and all that kind of good yeah, stuff. Yeah, we're a part in Oklahoma. There's a OSSAA, which is the Oklahoma Secondary School Athletics and Activities Association. And so uh, we offer every sport that um, the OSSA offers except for softball. Uh, we had a softball program, but once we started our volleyball program, the seasons are at the same time and that kind of impacted numbers. But, um, you know, not last year, but the two years previous to that, our, our football team was the, the state championship for our class state champions for our class and so nice. um, we, we, we do well kind of in you know um in those areas too so i was gonna say you know oklahoma football they kind of go hand in hand <laughs> kind, kind, kind of a big deal around here yeah i mean wow so, yeah i was gonna say friday night football is that right yeah fr friday night lights that you know as they say so high, high school football's friday night and then you know a lot of folks get real into to, Oklahoma Sooner and Oklahoma State Cowboy football down in this area. So Sounds I mean, fun. That, that, is, that is fun. So with, with your curriculum, I know you said you have uh, three all the way up through high school graduation. Yep. Yep. Do you find that you build your curriculum based on the continuity all the way through high school and as far as developing that for the high school students and building upon that? How do you go about doing that? Yeah, I mean, I think some of what we like to say is kind of begin with the end in mind. So we look mm -hmm. at, you know, what, if, if we have a senior, what type of, you know, experiences do we want them to have um, and, and try to figure out how, you know, ages and stages to get them to that, that place. Um, you know, there is the, the, the convenience of being in one building probably allows for more vertical alignment than maybe can happen in, in other schools. Just, um, you know, when we do department meetings, we have middle and high school teachers together. Uh, I think we're still continuing to look for ways to, to bridge that gap from elementary through secondary well, but um, we've got a good, uh, I'd say kind of collaborative culture amongst our teachers where they want to see each other be successful. They wanna to work together. It's very common for, you know, hey, our, our ninth grade teachers to talk to our eighth grade teachers about, you know, what, what did you do? How are things are going? What, you know, what do I need to know? How can I be, you know, successful with this student or this course or whatever the case may be. True, and you're, are you a full college prep? You have that kind of curriculum. Yep, yep, yep. So that's that's the goal. I mean, uh, almost not not a hundred percent of our our students go to college, but a high high percent. And then, um, you know, we work with others that aren't maybe interested in a four year college degree uh, to to find a good you know technical technical school trade school program for them. Um, we definitely are college prep, um, but you know. I, even as a principal of a college prep high school, know that college may not be the best choice for every student. And so we, if, if, a, if a kid's going to be miserable in college, then let's find them something else that's going to be a great fit for them where they're going to be able to thrive and, and use the gifts and skills that God has given them. That's right. We don't want to forget about those that don't want to go to college. For sure, sure. Because sure. that is a big thrust. And do you do quite a bit of AP or uh, IB? Yeah, so we... Uh, we, we're not an IB school. We have AP courses. Uh, we're seeing, and uh, you know, others may be seeing something similar that um, with our students and families, more and more interest in dual credit opportunities versus mm. AP kind of 
more of the the guaranteed credit versus hey taking the test at the end of the year and and hoping you know <laughs> you you get that three four or five depending on what your university requires and so um, right. we've got some partnerships where we have several of our courses where we have teachers that have master's degree in the field and we're able to they're able to teach the course here you know our our English junior and senior level English courses are both designed this way where kids can can take, you know, kind of our honors dual credit course and they can get college credit and high school credit both for that. So uh, we're, we're moving a little bit more in that direction, but there's still a, 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 a handful of AP courses that we we offer as well. The dual credit, we do see that quite a bit more, more high schools doing dual credit, more opportunities. Yep. And that's great. You have teachers doing it. Who's your partner university or school, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, so we've used a, a couple. Um, we've, we, for several years, we're working with Colorado Christian. Uh -huh. um, and yeah. then this upcoming year, um, we're going to be partnering with John Brown University and then also Letourneau uh, down okay. in Texas with some of their courses as well. So. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. I mean, opportunity-wise yeah. for the students, they really get a different feel and taste for what college is. Don't sure, they? and to Credit. and to have a little bit of a head start, you know, going to college with, you know, whether it's 15 hours or, or 30 hours or whatever the case may be, just uh, either can help them get get done a little bit quicker, or if nothing else, it it makes those early semesters maybe their load a little bit lighter as they're transitioning to to help, you know, have a a, a smooth transition. Yeah, that's true. That kind of dual credit we see that i know i already said that but we see it quite a bit the dual credit i have yeah. a daughter that did uh college credit while she was in high school i think yeah. jp does too so we yeah we had those I, that were engaged at that level and it's very yeah, rewarding I for them. yeah i think that's changed a lot even you know since when i was in high school you know i did a couple ap courses but you didn't hear the emphasis on on dual credit and now um i think that that's more and more uh an opportunity to expand kind of partnerships between high schools and universities um, for sure. And are you finding that uh, you're looking to expand more courses? Do you focus more on the English history you have math in there as well with dual credit? Yeah, I mean, I think it's enabling us to offer a, a few more courses just where maybe we don't have, um, you know, if we don't have an instructor that's uh, available to do that, it kind of can give us excuse me a little bit more flexibility for our students um but we're we're do we have some courses in our history department that are have this arrangement our math department um english as well and uh foreign language so we're, we're just kind of trying to find and then you know again it's you know for for kids trying to advise them well so that they know what's going to be a good fit for them because again the, the dual credit option is a great Fit for some students and then you know That's other right. students are going to benefit more from you know go ahead and do, do the on-level course now you'll have the opportunity when you're in, in college to get to get those credits um, but it's really just I think um, it's allowing us to kind of be flexible in the options that we're offering in order to meet our, our students needs best right right you know the uh, related to college admissions and how this is impacting you all so, you know, the SAT, ACT optional policies mm -hmm. that have been spreading around, how right. is that impacting your preparation with your students versus when you knew it was all SAT, ACT, right. no matter what? Right. Well, how is that impacting you guys? I mean, we're, it's not changing much. I mean, we're, we're still, I think most of our kids in, in our part of the country, ACT is much more common than SAT. And so, yeah. you know, almost all of our seniors 
I don't know the percentage, but a high, high percentage, probably in the 90s, took the ACT. The number that took the SAT was a little bit smaller. We do have all of our freshmen, sophomores, and juniors take the PSAT just for okay. that prep and for, you know, for, you know, national merit consideration. But in terms of sure. ACT, um, we're not, you know, we just last week we're offering here uh, a summer ACT prep course. And we had, you know, 20 of our, you know, students sign up to come do that on the, the summer. Um, we're actually going to, we've, we've not done this in several years, but this upcoming year, we're going to offer uh, for all students in the spring semester, all freshmen through juniors, the school will pay for them to do the ACT here on campus. You know, traditionally it's, you know, they find, you know, one of the Saturday test dates. And so uh, I think that it's going to continue to be still, I think, a, a, a point of emphasis. And I know some universities are even kind of walking back and saying, hey, maybe we do still want to, you know, have an ACT score. Yeah. You know, maybe it's not required for admissions, but if you want scholarship consideration, you still need to take it. So um, we've not really seen a, a, a major drop or lack or losing interest in, in taking the ACT. Yeah, it makes big news, but you always wonder yeah. what's the impact and what are people sure. thinking about it? Sure. Like, how are you sure. actualizing Sure. What this news is, I appreciate sure. that. Sure. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, it maybe will cause some kids if they don't score as well, maybe they choose not to report it to the university if they don't have to. But I think, you know, top performing students are still going to want to, you know, be able to, to share those scores as a, a differentiator if it comes down to it for admissions or scholarship considerations. True. And with your school and where you're at right now, what are, what would you say are some of the I don't know, you could say two, you could list as many as you want, two challenges that you're facing if you look at the next two to three years um, related to where you want to go. Um, I mean, I, I think one can be kind of, you know, in within these four walls and one kind of out without the four walls. I think it's for us, and probably this is, you know, not unique to us, it's true of any school, but I think it's continuing to uh, adjust and, and learn to, you know, with, with this generation of students being tech natives in terms of, you know, what, what the, the role and place of technology in the classroom. I mean, at, at our high school level, we are a bring your own device where students do have computers in the classroom. But I think that there's, you know, with technology, with social media, while there's upsides to it, there's also challenges that it brings in terms of, I think, student engagement and focus. And then, you know, in terms of, uh, anxiety and, and, and issues related to that. And so I think it's continuing to make sure that we're, um, you know, as, as we as educators are uh, being willing to adapt as necessary to, to meet the needs of our students, knowing, hey, that the, 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 the world is changing, education is changing, the career force is changing. And so being willing to, to look at where we are and adapt and also know trying to predict, okay, what our universities or what our career area is going to be looking for in five to 10 years and how can we get our students prepared for that. And then uh, for us, we're also in a, a place where we're looking at uh, hoping to be able to, to launch a, a capital campaign to, uh, we've kind of maxed out space in our building. We'd love to, to add an additional building, um, you know, that would serve as primarily our high school and some other purposes as well. Uh, but we're in a building where we have one cafeteria that we run lunches for, you know, elementary, middle and high school. We have one auditorium. And so um, it, it's awesome. It's really cool about our school. You'll see, um, you know, seniors high-fiving first graders in the hallway and stuff like that. Things that are really neat to see, but there are also, also some things where if we had a little bit more room to breathe facility wise, 
things, I think it could allow us to, to offer even more for our students at, at all levels. So I think that that's probably where I would land in terms of, you know, a couple challenges that, that we're looking at. Sure, sure. It's, you know, parents are a big part of the educational equation, obviously, sure. at Metro, I'm sure they're heavily involved. Yep. What concerns or excitement do you see for them? Um, what are they, what are they talking about to you? What's kind yeah, of I think, I think parents are wanting to um, certainly, you know, know that their, their kid is well cared for, supported, is being prepared for the next stage of life. Um, I think there's also, and again, with, with people wanting to, to seek us out, I think that there's a desire to ensure that, you know, that the school is partnering with them and, and, and teaching their students from a, a biblical worldview and preparing them for that next stage in life. I think that, you know, for some more than others, feeling kind of the, the, the pressures uh, or parents seem that the pressures or challenges of, you know, the world, however you want to take that right now. And so yeah. I think that, that that can be a driving force as well. And so I think it's, hey, they want, you know, academics and they, they want to see their kids flourish. They want to see their kids have opportunities in athletics and, and fine arts and have teachers that care and, and support for care and support for them. That's true. So are you involved with the board and the head head of school? You said the head of school is different than your position. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. So we have a, a head of school that, you know, some might call the headmaster, some might call it superintendent. And then, you know, I'm the high school principal. We have a middle school principal. We have an elementary principal. And then we have, you know, a few other folks that report directly to the head of school. And so, um, yeah, I mean, we meet weekly as a lead team is what he, he calls us. And so, um, and there's a lot of collaboration that happens between us as principals and other members of the lead team. And then, you know, he's the primary, um, you know, correspondent or, you know, with our board. Um, he had, there were, you know, I probably came to a couple board meetings this year just to give a presentation on, hey, this or, or that that may be going on. Um, as principals, we kind of prepare monthly board reports that just kind of updates of, hey, here's what's going on in the high school that then he will compile and, and pass on to our board. That makes sense. Um, for your vision of where you want to see the high school go or yeah, over the next year or two, what do, what do you envision for that? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I think I want us to... Um, you know, continue to, 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 to grow in advance and really focus on serving our, our students well. I think that, again, I, I mentioned, you know, just challenges associated with the, the pandemic. I think for a lot of people, it's been, hey, we're just trying to, to, to make it to the next day. And so now I'm hoping that uh, for, for all of us, we feel like we have the bandwidth as, uh, bandwidth as educators and as students to really begin to, to flourish. And, you know, hey, how can we continue to um, you know, you know, there's a, the Jim Collins good to great, but there's so many oh. good things that are going on here. How how can we find those opportunities to maximize what we're doing to 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 really take things to the next level? And so we've got uh, a few new things in the works for next year that we're kind of trying out that we're really excited to see how that goes with our students and how that can kind of build upon um, maybe what what's to come for our, our school. Love it. So, Robbie, when tell us a little bit about your upbringing and you know your household. You know, how did you end up 
in this journey. I know you mentioned your pastoral yeah. uh, you know, thought process, but we, we'd love to know the influences and the journey that's brought you here at this stage of your life. Sure. Uh, yeah, so I, I grew up here in Tulsa, lived here most of my life. Uh, I went through uh, the, the public school system here in, in Tulsa, so all the way through um, graduated from a school entitled Booker T. Washington High School that is an IB school that has a really strong reputation, you know, in, in the state and, and regionally and um, was involved. Uh, a big thing for me in, in high school was speech and debate. And I actually served as our coach for that here for, for many, many years. But that was kind of the place that I found as a, a connection point in high school was was real involved in, in, in my church growing up as well. So had a few folks at, at church and then a, a speech and debate coach that were probably the, the strongest influences in me as I was growing up. And then, uh, as I said, went over to, to John Brown University and got highly involved there. Um, actually, you know, did several leadership positions on campus, worked as an RA, worked as, uh, worked in our admissions office, planning prospective student visits. I uh, was kind of the, the leader my senior year of our student ministry leader leadership team and, and things like that. And, and so really thought I was going to go that, that, that pastoral ministry route and then got, got here and found that I really enjoyed teaching. Um, wasn't quite ready for seminary. My master's is actually in higher ed administration. So I thought, hey, I'm going to go do university stuff at, at some point. And um, I've always talked about uh, education kind of for those of us, you know, in a lot of industries, you can leave at any point in the year for those of us especially in secondary education while you can you know it, it's really best you know if you're you're making the commitment to a, a new school year in august that you're going to see see it through and so uh use the analogy of a, a merry-go-round uh, or a ferris wheel excuse me where it's like each year it's coming around and you know am i going to get back on the ride again or am i going to step off i had looked at all sorts of different things um, but just continually felt that that god was calling me to, to be here in, in education. And so, um, you know, as I said, for, for 12 years taught, did Bible classes at our speech and debate team, did some leadership and student council stuff. And then uh, just really feeling the, the, the pull from, from God to, to, to maybe explore the, the, the principal side of things. And so had an opportunity to step into that. You know, four years ago, I served as our, our middle school principal for a couple years uh, for the the, the 2021 school year, I actually did both high school and middle school for one year. And then this year I got uh, into just doing high school, which uh, was a, a good fit. And so uh, that's a little bit, I don't know if that answers your question or if there are more, you know, specific things in there that you want me to elaborate on, I'd be happy to. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating. And you mentioned you're reading some books. So what kind of books do you typically read? Um, you know, I'm, I, I'm, I tend to be drawn more towards um, nonfiction versus fiction. And so, um, you know, I'm looking at um, right now, there's a, a book um, I'm, I'm going through by, by Kara Powell and uh, another guy, I can't think of his name, but she's with the Fuller, uh, Fuller Theological Seminary Youth Institute and looking at kind of the, the three questions that all teenagers are asking, um, reading a book on on uh, it's called beyond biblical integration right now um and then i'll usually find you know something kind of fun or different not not too related to to work but try to read quite a bit um listen to podcasts things like that so so david you got something to say about fuller don't you 
Yeah, I worked at Fuller for seven years. Okay. okay. Yeah, in their very admissions cool. office. Okay, very cool. Very you mentioned cool. admissions. I'm like, yeah, got my start there. Yeah, yeah. I actually, my, my out of college, I had two job opportunities. One was to come teach here. One was to uh, be an admissions counselor at, at JBU. And so um, nice. wade through those, was going to be getting married and just kind of the thought of being on the road a lot with the admissions counselor position, I, I kind of decided, all right, I'm going to do give this teaching thing a shot. But, <laughs> um, awesome. I always thought I'd get into higher ed and who knows, maybe, maybe one day, but um, definitely had a heart for that. So, so when, I mean, a lot has changed, you know, just the last two decades, when you look at uh, what the kids have to deal with, right? I mean, sure. obviously, you know, there were, you know, at least when I was in high school, all the virtual world and, you know, the complexity of what students have to deal with um, has evolved. So when you see your students, right, um, how do you look at their challenges and, and how do you you know, what, what do you see as student success as, as they go through this journey beyond academics? What else are you looking at as, as, as your kind of like North Star in guiding the students? Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll try to hit those in order. I think in terms of challenges, I think that's definitely changed and even, you know, seeing what students, you know, deal with now versus, you know, when I first came in and uh, I do think a lot uh, is tied to, you know, smartphones and, and social media that that's presenting a lot of challenges. It's just, a, it's a new world. It's, you know, I graduated today myself, but, you know, high school 20 years ago and I didn't have, a, I mean, I got a cell phone, I think my junior or senior year and all I could do is make calls. And it was one of those old Nokia phones where you could play snake <laughs> on it, but there was no, there was no text messaging. There was no yeah. Facebook. There was no, you know, Instagram, Twitter, or things like that. And so um, I think too, with that, like I'm, I'm big on, uh, I don't want to speak like condescendingly or down towards uh, our students or young people. I think that's sometimes uh, adults can do that or they look at things and they're like, you know, kids these days struggle with X. Um, when, you know, some of those struggle, I think adults are, you know, dealing with the challenge of smartphones just as much, if not as students, and maybe it looks different or kind of the, the stereotype of, you know, teachers will get annoyed if, you know, students are all sitting in the back of a room. And then, you know, we, we come into a faculty meeting and where are teachers sitting? They're sitting in the back of the room. So some of this stuff is just, you know, human nature and, and stuff like that. And so uh, I'm quick to, as we're seeing challenges of students to think through, okay, some of this is not just teenager specific, but this is, you know, society and cultural uh, as a whole. And so let's be, let's be mindful of that because I think our students have so much to offer and so much to, to learn that we can learn from them. And so, you know, as educators, uh, I think if we approach our students with, you know, we're the ones with all the information and we're here to pass it on to them, I think we're going to get off base. Like we have to be willing to, to sit down with them and hear from them and, and learn from them. You know, we talk about in terms of, you know, North Star, I mean, we, we want to teach to the whole person. And so, yes, like I want to see my students do well on the ACT or SAT. I want to see them get into the college that they want to get into. I want to see them, you know, make good grades, but I also want to see their character growing. I want to see them, you know, growing in their relationship with the Lord, engaging in meaningful service, like demonstrating kindness towards one another. Um, you know, we want to see them 
uh, flourish academically, you know, athletically, you know, socially, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, all of the above. And so uh, I think that that's one of the neat opportunities of, of us as Christian educators is that we can kind of look to see the entire student flourish. And we don't have to just kind of um, focus in on one, you know, particular component of a, of a student. We can really try to, you know, reach the entire student. I recently read a book and the emphasis was on saying motivation is as at least as important as knowledge. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, I found it profound. I mean, it's nothing new. I mean, as educators, we always know how important motivation is and how do you create motivation? I mean, you got, because so much of education happens outside of the school and, sure. and kids kind of enter uh, the, the, this school, I mean, there, there's, we, we don't know what's going on outside the school. Now they come to school, but how does one impact motivation with, with the students? Yeah, I think that that's a challenge. And if someone had an answer on that and, and wrote a book on that, they'd probably make a lot of money off of that. Because I think that like, I, I do think that we're seeing, um, you know, I, I talk to folks at other schools. And I think, you know, in the last couple of years, we have seen kind of a, a, a shift in and student motivation. And I don't know if it's, you know, um, entitlement. I don't know if it's weariness or, or fatigue. I, I don't know what, how to put my finger on it. Um, but I think that, you know, if, if we are going to motivate students, we have to find what clicks for them and what connects for them. And we have to know that that's going to look different for every person. I mean, it's the same thing for, for, for teachers and my relationships with them. Like different teachers need different things. I can't have the same strategy or, or focus with each teacher. And so uh, I think as educators, we have to be willing to, to, to shift and to adapt to, to meet the needs of individual students and, you know, partnering together. So knowing like, hey, maybe a kid really loves football and they're struggling in, in the classroom then, you know, struggling with math. And if that math teacher and the football coach can sit down together with the kid and help them see the importance of, you know, what's happening in the classroom to be able to happen, know what's happening in the football field, maybe, maybe that's it. Maybe it's, um, you know, finding opportunities for kids to see and apply what they're learning and, and helping them kind of cast a vision for, hey, you know, you, you do, um, you know, there's a, I used to always show my my debaters the the movie Great Debaters by Denzel Washington, but mm -hmm. he has a quote in there where he says, "You do what you have to do to do what you want to do." And so, you know, maybe it's helping kids see, "Hey, if you want to be at this place in five years or ten years, here's the step." And it's trying to give maybe a, a long term vision because I think as people we can just be so short sighted with what's in, in front of us. So yeah, I don't know the answer to that question um, fully, but it's, it's a great question. Um, and it's certainly something I think that as educators, we got to wrestle with. And, and I think people who look from outside education, I, I don't know what your thought is, but it's not linear. It's not a product. It's not an in and out. It is supposed to be messy. It is supposed to be yeah. exploratory. And you know, I was talking to a parent the other day and I said, well, you know, this is their time to make mistakes. This is their time to learn from their mistakes and we can't control every single decision as obviously it is harmful. And right. so I actually was so intrigued by this. I took a trip to Finland, uh, Robbie, to just see, because there's all this talk about Finland and, and how they sure. do it, but I think they have as many 
high school graduates as Oklahoma has uh, as as a state. So it's a very okay. it's a microcosm. Small, but, yeah, yeah. Small, but it was interesting because they put the, first of all all their teachers must have a master's degree, right? And I went from I went from kindergarten all the way to college. So I, I was there for two weeks just visiting the you know even the ministry. And one thing was clear. And one theme that was clear. I said, well, what makes you all successful? And they said, we, we give trust and autonomy to our teachers, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so basically they educate the teachers and then the teachers have some say on how they run that class uh, to some extent, which I found sure. interesting. Um, at least in California, we don't see that. So uh, what's your thought about all of that trust and autonomy, and how could it happen in a classroom in our system? Yeah, I mean, I think that that's one of the nicer things about us, um, you know, being a private independent school is, you know, we have standards for our courses, but but we do give teachers, we empower them with the autonomy often to make decisions about how they go about achieving those standards. And so, you know, that's where it's, it's key that there's good communication and, and vertical alignment happening within the departments and things like that. But um, yeah, I think that that is key, you know, teachers, you know, having buy-in to what they're, they're teaching and having some freedom and, and flexibility there. So I think that that's, that's huge. And, you know, going back to what you were saying before that, um, yeah, I think that we wholeheartedly agree with creating kind of an environment where it's okay for students to fail. It's okay for students to take risks. Um, I think that, you know, sometimes, you know, well-intentioned parents want to like swoop in at the, the beginning of any type of adversity. Um, but there's, there's challenge, there's, there's value to that. I mean, my kids are a little bit younger. I've got a a child that'll be in fourth grade and a child will be in first grade. But even, you know, to in a couple little things that have come up, I have to kind of walk that bridge. Of, okay, is this a time where, where dad comes in or this is a time where it's okay to like fail and it's okay for things to be hard. And uh, your, your linear growth point is, is spot on. I think that's true educationally or, or spiritually. And, you know, if we look at our own lives as adults, um, probably none of us would say that that growth was linear. Um, but we forget that and we want to put that expectation upon our students. And so, again, this goes back to what I was saying earlier about like, hey, as adults, let's be careful not to, you know, call students out on things that are, are struggles for us as well. Um, you know, as adults, let's let's have a, a, a longer term protect per, picture and know, OK, hey, yes, they're having this struggle in the first semester of their sophomore year of high school. But if they walk through it and they learn, you know, grit and adversity and perseverance and determination, what they're going to get out of that is far more valuable than, you know, what their, whatever the the actual struggle was in terms of long-term success. And so uh, I think we've got to be willing to be able to, to, to do that and, you know, be okay with there being some hard and challenging moments for our kids. Now, as well put, that's beautifully put. And, you know, as a, as a faith-based uh, high school, um, you know, just being a student of faith, organization of faith, there are a lot of voices out there, sure. right? And so, so this is a two-part question. One is, you know, why do we need faith-based high schools and, and institutions? And two is, what are the challenges? Have the challenges shifted? Have they, do they look differently as students are bombarded with so much stuff that challenges their faith as well. And, and so 
we'll be interested on how you analyze that. Yeah, I mean, I think that, um, you know, I, in terms of the value or the, the need for it, I think, you know, you know, God creates people with all sorts of different gifts, talents, or skills. And I, I mean, so I think about the, the body of Christ, whether it's in a, a, a church setting or just, you know, globally, like we want to produce people and students, whether it's a high school or university, that are really good at what they do. Top-notch physicians, engineers, teachers, doctors, whatever the case uh, may be. Uh, and I think that we want them to do whatever they're doing in a way that, that, that honors the Lord. And so I think that learning to be able to, you know, look at challenges, look at problems uh, from the lens and understanding of, of scripture and what, what God teaches and being prepared to not just live that out by word, but living that out by action in whatever industry and career that they are, are trying to, to be successful in. Uh, so I think there's huge opportunities for that. And I think there's huge value um, and it's not just, you know, in a classroom, like, oh, hey, we, we said a prayer at the start, or there's a scripture on the board, like it's, it's real deep, meaningful uh, immersion in, in, in the truth of, of scripture, and really changing, teaching kids like how to think and how to, to look at the problems of the world and how to respond to those things. I think there's a lot of value and growth and opportunity. I know for, for us as a school, and I think probably all schools in those areas. And then, yeah, I mean, I think that as our you know, each, you know, time in history presents its own sense of challenges and things that it's, you know, having to respond to and be prepared with. And so, yeah, I think it's being aware of what is out there in our, our, our culture and having our kids pre prepared, you know, sometimes within the Christian school world, you know, students can talk about, hey, I'm, I'm in a bubble and things like that. And so it's trying to think through, okay, what, what part of a bubble is maybe good um, you know, as you're, you're fostering and developing, but, you know, what can you do? What can we do as, and, and really the partnership is, it's not just us as schools, it's, you know, schools, parents, and the local church ought to be coming together to really surround kids uh, to have them prepared for those problems and those challenges that are going to arise. Because it's not a matter of, you know, if they're going to arise, it's, it's when they're going to arise. Exactly. exactly. Uh, any, any last words? Uh, I don't, I think that's all I have for, unless you all have anything else, but I appreciated taking the time to, to get to talk with you all this morning. Principal Davis, it's been a pleasure. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for joining the Plexus High School Leadership Podcast Series. If you'd like more information on this podcast or Plexus, please visit us at plexus.com forward slash solutions. Thank you.